Business and Buckets, we are live. Episode 101. Sheesh, we out here. We pumping content on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Um, Going to do this podcast, get some sports betting in, college football, NFL. I'm laying money on my Steelers. I think they're like plus four. So uh, definitely do that. I'm pretty confident they could get the dub in Cleveland, but also cover the spread. Uh, but we're not here to talk football. We're here to talk MMA, UFC, Bellator, the whole nine, as we have now transitioned to MMA only. But before we talk sports, we're going to talk the one and only sponsor here at Business and Buckets, and that is Fueled Supplements. So if it's not broken, why fix it? That's the inspiration behind Fueled Supplements' newest product, creatine monohydrate. So why take creatine? Well, creatine monohydrate is one of the most well-researched and effective natural supplements available for increasing muscle performance. Creatine enhances performance by supplying a pool of ATP, which acts as the muscle tissue's primary energy source for fuel during explosive bursts of energy, power, and strength. You get 100 servings. It's non-GMO, gluten-free, safe, and effective. You guys already know the deal. Use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off at FueledSupplements.com. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. Now I'm going to preach to the choir. You're getting supplements. It's post-summer. You're looking to be good for next summer. You're looking to be good into the fall and the new year. You have some goals, some game goals. Just check them out. It's affordable. It's high-quality product. You're supporting small business. That's what it's all about. To make business thrive, we got to support each other. But regardless, let's dive right in, and we're going to talk MMA and UFC. I mean, there's a pretty good slate of fights that have been booked uh, coming into this week. We did the last podcast on Tuesday before the Dana White Contender Series, so we're going to talk both episodes of the Contender Series. And uh, there wasn't a ton of fights that are booked, so it's good to see some new blood booked for the Octagon. And we got Jarzinho Rosenstrike. He's rebooked with Chris Dacus. Was expecting that to be a banger. I'm glad that's still happening. Will be good to see Rosenstrike and Dacus in the octagon, uh, especially since Dacus got his clock cleaned by um, the big dog, Derek Lewis. Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell is back, ladies and gentlemen. Camo shorts and all. And he's going to get another elite striker, good grappler to keep that undefeated record clean. He's going to take on Movsar Evloev. Holy shit, what a fun one this is going to be in the featherweight division. A win here could pull vault someone right into title contention. We have Calvin Cater, Arnold Allen. Are you freaking kidding me? Lightweight division, never disappoints. Uh, this is going to be fucking bonkers. I believe actually this is featherweight, huh? Yeah, featherweight. More shit happening in the featherweight, though. Arnold Allen trying to get into that title contention. We have Sadiq Youssef. He got tried to get booked late notice to last to the card we're going to break down. But he is in uh, the next fight night card against Don Shanus. So it'll be great to see Sadiq back there with his um, amazing striking style. We have Julio Arce and Montel Jackson squaring off. Dusko Todorovic versus Jordan Wright. I've been a big Dusko fan since he's came into the octagon seat. I'm excited to see how, how he takes the next step in his UFC career. Jelton Almeida did not take long in his last fight. 
He's already back. He's taking on Shamil Abdurakimov. That's going to be great to see him right back in the octagon. A little bit stiffer competition. Albert Dureyev versus Michael Olekshuk. That's going to be a great one. Grappler, striker. And then Daniel Rodriguez. D-Rod already back at it. Taking on the fucking legend, Neil Bagney. That should be a great scrap. A fight that I was really excited to see. Rebooked as well for a December main event. We get Jared the Killer, Gorilla, Cannoneer, and Sean Strickland. That's rebooked. And then else other news outside of fights being booked. We have Mickey Gall released from the UFC. Tough, tough UFC career for Mickey Gall. Still a guy I think, you know, I think deserves to be in the UFC, but hopefully he can get his shit together and get back into the UFC rosters. Uh, Marlon Marias uh, retired from the UFC, retired from MMA, but probably got a nice payday from the PFL to fight at 145 pounds. The PFL signing a lot of ex-UFC athletes. Tiago Santos, Shane Burgos. Now insert Marlon Marias. It's going to be fun. Uh, Jose Aldo, the legend Jose Aldo, retires from the UFC. Supposedly the UFC had sent him a letter that he was going to be released. Let's see. What they have to say. Um, I guess he just announced it. They have Dana White um, respond to it. He said, this is the guy that from the WEC to the UFC helped build the sport. Da, 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 da. So, yeah, I guess he just did want to re retire. I mean... Uh, the the machine Marab Dwellishwili was right. He was he was definitely on his way. This is one of my favorite fighters of all time. The fight that I always wish he would have won, the Conor McGregor fight. Uh, that's the one that pole vaulted Conor McGregor into stardom. Uh, this guy has been doing it for a long fucking time. The crazy thing is, is he could have kept fighting. He's thirty six years old. He probably had a couple solid years of fighting. But this last fight, he really struggled to make the weight cut to bantamweight. You could see it, 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 it beat him down. He fought really good against the machine. The machine's in his prime. <clears throat> he was able to, you know, stuff all those takedown defenses, let it go, but exhausted his energy there. He came into the WEC in June of 2008. I mean, golly, that's a fat stack. I mean, 14 years of just solid fighting. He He made, he had a... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fight winning streak in the WEC. After his third fight, he had knockout of the night. He beat Cub Swanson for the featherweight title knockout of the night. He, um, oh no, it was a title eliminator. Then beat Mike Brown for the, def the, the title. Defended it against Uriah Faber, Manny Gumburian, and Mark Hominick. And then um, got into the UFC immediately. The WEC was 135-145. He beat Kenny Florian to defend the UFC title. Went on a UFC run of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So 15 total fights in a row. I mean, Chad Mendes, Frankie Edgar, the Korean zombie. Chad Mendes again. Ricardo Lamas. Legit fucking fights. Three of them being fight of the night. And then the Conor McGregor fight happened. He came back in featherweight and beat Frankie Edgar for the interim title. Lost to Max Holloway twice. And then uh, beat Jeremy Stevens and Renato Moicano. 
Lost to Volk, Marlon Marias, and Pewter Jan. Beat Marlon Vera, which is a very good Marlon Vera in, tw in late 2020. Beat Pedro Munoz, Rob Font, then lost to the machine. I mean, fucking bravo. What a career. The legend, Jose Aldo. Hate to see it, but really, what else does he have to prove? I mean, golly, what a career. The excitement as a fight fan he provided. Even me just looking at that, I'm like, golly, I need to rewatch those Max Holloway Aldo fights. I need to. I mean, Max is also in the UFC. I usually have one, one ultimate favorite fighter. And then there's about four or five guys that I'm really a fan of, but I'm not like a diehard right now because the sugar show representing the 406. I have two of my favorite fighters, him and John Jones. John Jones isn't very active. We don't need to get into that detail, but then I'm a massive fan of Max Holloway. I'm a massive fan. It was of Aldo. I'm a massive fan of, you know, a couple fighters around the UFC, but Aldo fucking Max Holloway got to rewatch those fights. The Aspen lad fight got canceled. She struggled to make weight. Um, she's been booked with Sarah McMahon twice. I think five of her last like eight fights have not happened. It's been a whole ordeal. And Aspen lad isn't super young anymore. She, you know, I'm wondering what she does for money, how she makes it. If she can never fight, she's tw oh, she's 27. She's not that old. But it's going to be interesting to see where her UFC career goes. She could have fought an older Sarah McMahon. I thought that was a winnable fight. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. She probably should just go sign with the PFL and fight at the bigger weight class. That's, that's really what makes sense to me. Or get a nutritionist or whatever it is. But again, money. If you can't fight, how you get money? She must have another job. Maybe some OnlyFans shit. I don't know. She. Uh... Jermaine Durandamy having a baby, so she will not be in the octagon anytime soon. One of the tougher fights for the bullet, Valentina, a very good fight for Amanda Nunez. Jermaine Durandamy is a stud, but she is going to go and um, practice being a mother. So congratulations, Durandamy. Cody Garbrandt can't catch a break. This book, this fight has been rebooked. Well, now he is pulling out of the fight due to an injury, so we will not see Cody Garbrandt in the fight night coming up. Eddie Alvarez and one championship parts ways. I can hear the PFL knocking on Eddie's door as we speak. Um, I was kind of surprised he went over to one championship. I know it was on the heels of Demetrius Johnson. Maybe he could fly off his coattails a little bit, uh, but he's parts ways. I'm not too surprised there. Again, I would assume the PFL is right there. And before we talk Dana White Contender Series, the last bit of UFC news, Dana White and the Brendan Schaub feud. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? What is really happening here? Brendan Schaub getting into, he's been hanging out with Eddie Bravo and, and Joe Rogan with the conspiracy theories a little bit too much. Went on, ripped how the UFC had had this plan for Nate to fight Tony the whole time. The Chimaev shit, it's all set up. Dana ripped him back. Uh, Brendan Schaub, he is doing great at his job. He has the podcast. He's a comedian. He has a little bit of everything. I think this is outrageous. I brought it up in the episode. It's kind of fun to think of, you know, what if, right? What if this really did happen? Uh, but I just don't see how that could be any kind of factual, uh, Dana White deservedly ripping up Brendan Schaub. You could part one way or the other. I, I don't like to get into these feuds, but it was funny. It was hilarious. Brendan was really trying to back himself up. But, you know, without Joe Rogan, Brendan Schaub does not have a lot of clout in these types of situations in my mind. He's a former fighter, former MFL player. He's done a lot of everything. All credit to him. I got a Thick Boy t-shirt. 
uh, that I use for, for when I ride. I think it's fun. The Thick Boy Gang, gang, gang. But he was in the wrong here. You can't just say this is what it was. This was planned because people eat up into that shit and take it serious because that is the world we live in. But it was kind of funny. I like how Dana White will will put people in their place when he needs to. In boxing, um, we have Earl Spence Jr. booked against Terrence Crawford November 19th. That's a great boxing event for those of you that want to tune into some boxing. Um, and then this past weekend, we had the trilogy bout Canelo Alvarez defeating uh, Triple G uh, by unanimous decision. And it was what you would expect. I mean, Canelo's in his prime. Triple G is 40 years old. Canelo's just too much for him at this point in time. Uh, Canelo talked about wanting to knock Triple G out, which would have been an awesome feat, but he even talked about it in round one. So I was expecting to be see more of like a firecracker Canelo, and he did come out aggressive. He came out to Mama Said Knock You Out, so he definitely had that in his mind, was not able to get the knockout, pushed the pace, was pretty aggressive. It was a very boxing-like matchup, though. You know, he really wasn't going for that knockout in my mind. He was picking his parts. He was winning rounds. He got the job done. And he gets uh, another beautiful win under his belt. The Canelo Alvarez is still ruling the boxing world. I really just wish we could have saw him versus um, Floyd Mayweather closer to their primes. It's like the, 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 the Floyd Pacquiao, right? All right, and then we also have uh, the Dana White Contender Series, so two episodes, eight and nine. We have one more episode this coming Tuesday, but two weeks ago, we had Farid Basharat winning. Great fashion, looked good, looks to be a, a tough out in the bantamweight division and joining his his brother as well. Uh, we had Trevor Peak. What a fucking fight this was. An amazing win at lightweight. He had to weather the storm of a very good Malik Lewis, a tall, hard-hitting Malik Willis. And when you empty out the tank because you fuck some... I mean, Trevor Peak took the shot of all shots, this RoboCop-like shot. We'll talk about that once we break down this weekend's card. But gets fucking rocked. Somehow lasts. Somehow lasts. He's like knocked out trying to get that takedown, like trying to stay alive. And Malik emptied the tank, trying to finish this guy. Like, what the fuck? Cannot finish him, but literally emptied the tank. And I think because he could take so much damage, Trevor Peak mentally broke Malik. Malik kind of gave up in that final round. Trevor was able to get the win and welcome to the UFC. But I do expect that we'll see more of Malik Lewis in the future. There's just so much fucking talent at lightweight. It's crazy to see how talented... People in the Dana White Contender Series are these days, Ultimate Fighter, and this new breed of MMA where kids can learn how to do a lot of martial arts at a very young age and prepare to be a UFC fighter. And then we had this one. Uh, we had a, a local 406 fighter, but we won't talk too much about it. Uh, Bruno Emmanuel Basile with a head kick knockout. One of the best women's knockouts ever, let alone probably the best in Dana White Contender Series history. She is obviously signed to the UFC. We had Daniel Marcos at bantamweight with a nice win as well. A lot of the bantamweight and lightweight talent is just so fucking good. It's ridiculous. And then this past Tuesday, we had Fieldho look really well-rounded at flyweight. I love watching these flyweights go at it. It's crazy to think. I bring this up all the time. 
But at one point, the UFC was thinking of cutting the flyweight division. Pretty bonkers. I mean, you look at it. Um, he got a KO in the third round. The leg kicks. He had to get carried to the hospital. It was a perfect situation. I assume we see him um, make a lot of moves in the flyweight division, but the opponent that he fought be in the UFC sooner than later as well. And then we get former Eagles FC champion and Sambo champion, Aliyev, man. Looks great at lightweight. He's already talking about in a couple years, you know, winning uh, the UFC championship. They're calling him the next Khabib. He fights like Khabib. He puts you up against the cage. He smashes you. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what he could do in the UFC. I'm excited to see what is next for Aliyev. Aliyev, Aliyev. And then we had another former NFL defensive end, Austin Lane. He got a TKO victory at heavyweight. A, a guy who had already fought at the Contender Series, had his, you know, got a bunch of wins, rattled them off, was put in a tough place getting taken down, which as a heavyweight, that could be the end of the fight. Somehow reversed it, got on, got some grounded pound, got the knockout victory. It'll be fun to root for Austin Lane, um, you know, following the steps of Greg Hardy. And then Raul Rosas Jr., the 17-year-old, probably outside of Bo Nickel, the most hyped-up guy in the uh, Contender Series. Looking good. I mean, he had to have his mother sign a note to allow him to fight. Um, he's one of these guys that's an example of how you could grow up, choose to be a fighter, learn how to wrestle, learn how to strike, learn jiu-jitsu, and be a well-rounded base MMA fighter. You know, as I grew up and became a UFC fan, the UFC was still a jiu-jitsu guy versus a striker. Who's going to win? Then you would get a, the really good people could wrestle and strike. Now there's these kids that are coming in with all of the background. They have the durability. I mean, Rosas Jr. looked big for this weight class. He looked durable. His jiu-jitsu was insane. He was coming up at switch kicks. He had the fake knee to a takedown. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to grow so much. Uh, you know, he has got the confidence. He's got the moxie. He's got the swagger. I think he's trying to bite too big of a piece uh, of the pie right now. But I'm glad he's in the UFC. It'll be uh, awesome to see Raul in, in his UFC career. And then the headliner, Bruno Fiata, knocking, getting an amazing knockout at middleweight. I mean, these guys are some big dogs, possess some serious power, and he got to showcase that and earn a UFC contract. So... Lots of UFC contracts the past few weeks. Some legit talent. Looked like I was watching UFC fights. Really excited about the Contender Series. And then next week, we have the final episode. Bo Nickel, the fe featured bout. I'm sure we'll see an impressive win. And I hope to God we see a UFC contract. A lot of the clout to Dana with this Bo Nickel situation was, you signed a 17-year-old, but you can't sign Bo Nickel. Come on now. But... I think Dana just wanted to, in his own promotion, give him a little bit more experience. And lastly, we have some Bellator action. Back-to-back -back weeks, we have tomorrow morning, UFC 285. It'll be in Dublin, Dublin, Ireland, um, with the main card happening at 1 p.m. Pacific. We have Benson Henderson taking on Peter Queeley. Um, you know, obviously got to root for my ex-UFC guys. Yoel Romero taking on Melvin Manhoef. That should be a fucking bonkers fight. And then we have Bellator 286 next weekend, next Saturday in LA with the main event kicking off. Um, I believe. Oh, why does it not show it? 
Bellator 286 start time. Uh, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific as well. Uh, so 1 p.m. tomorrow, uh, 286 next Saturday uh, at 1 p.m. Pacific. Patricio Pitbull back in the octagon against Adam Borix. And then AJ, the very talented AJ McKee taking on Spike Carlisle, Aaron Pico, and Jeremy Kennedy. So some good action. Bellator trying to show out this these next couple weeks. And I can't be mad about more MMA. Give it to me. Inject me with that sh You know what I mean? But let's talk UFC Fight Night Vegas 60. I went 8-2 and two on this card. Had a good day in the office. You know what I mean? You heard? I told a buddy to put down a parlay. He, he's a sports better. I'm like, dude, I've been making money on MMA. Check it out. I gave him the last three bouts. He won a quick 300 bucks on 50 bucks. Nothing amazing. Um, but, you know, your boy's out here doing work. The past few UFC cards, my records have been very, very nice. All right. So, fights we did not break down. We had very nice wins. Nicholas Moda with an early knockout. Love to see him do well. Javid Basharat with an impressive, impressive win. I'd actually picked Tony Gravely, who's a hard hitter, a tough some bitch. And uh, Javid, I mean, he was well-rounded. I think that's what impressed me the most is what he can do. And his brother Farid had won on the Contender Series uh, that uh, Tuesday. So an amazing week for the Basharat brothers. Jillian Robertson getting another dub on her record. Trevin Giles, Damon Action Jackson with a nice win. He was on the MMA Hour this week, had a cool story as well. Joe Pfeiffer, really good story, getting the dub. And Anthony Hernandez with nice wins. But we're going to start in the main card from this past week where we had Rodrigo Nascimento Fieta with a split decision over Tanner Bozer. And this fucked up all my parlays. I, I knew I should, you know, Rodrigo doesn't look like a, a guy that's just like new to the, U you know, you get these guys that come in the UFC as a new blood and you're like, ah, they don't have the experience. They don't, we don't know how tough they are. You could just tell by looking this guy up that he was going to be a fucking tough out. But Tanner's had so much adversity over his career. You know, he, he, he weighed in a lot lighter. I thought he was just going to try to use that speed to his advantage and he needed this win. Well, with Bozer being a lot lighter, there's risks at heavyweight, like getting taken down. Um, I was a little surprised about how the fight went down, but I'm more upset about the deliver product that Bozer had than anything. Like I said, I expected Bozer with the smaller frame um, and time off to really be focusing on his game and use that speed to go in and out as a heavyweight. Cyril Gon style, in and out, avoid it, keep your space, in and out. And that's not really what it was. It was just kind of like, I'm faster, but I'm putting myself in damage's way. I, I don't know. Rounds two and three were not the way I was expecting. Round one, he got taken down, right? Rodrigo was able to absorb a lot of that energy. But again, Rodrigo's no joke. I mean, he continually was moving forward. He had a lot of action himself, a lot of energy expended. Obviously, he had the takedown in round one but still had the cardio and stamina to come forward to Tanner, who's in a lot better shape, fight forward through three rounds and get the split decision victory. Now, statistically, Tanner landed 163 strikes. 62 of those were significant. He had a reversal as well. And Rodrigo had 91 total strikes, 36 significant. 
He did have three takedowns, although seven attempts, and a submission attempt as well. A lot of these strikes, though, that Tanner did did not land a lot of damage, did not make big moments in the fight, and that's why I assume they gave this fight to Rodrigo. I would have given the fight to Rodrigo as well. He clearly won round one. I believe you could say he won round... I think it was three he put on a lot at the end. Maybe it was round two. I can't remember. It's been a while now. Um, so I wasn't upset with the decision, but I was just more upset because I really enjoy Bozer. I think he's got a ton of potential. And if you're going to come in light like that, just use that shit, man. Move, 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 move. Um, but Tanner starts a new losing streak. He is 3-3 three and three since 2020. Rodrigo starts a new winning streak of his own. He is technically 4-1 and one in the UFC. If you don't count the no contest where he uh, actually TKO'd his op opponent, but he had that positive substance to test. Now, I would love to see Rodrigo take on Alexander Romanov. I think stylistically, they're very similar fighters. I'd like to see who comes out on top there. And for Tanner, how about William Knight? That would be a scrap, and I would love to tune in. Then we had the Federal Way 206 repping. Andre Feely, another split decision against Bill Algeo. This main card had great fights. And this was a 50-50 you know, uh, fight for me. I wasn't comfortable picking Feely on the parlay. Um, and it was as close as I expected coming in. Andre being desperate for a win, though. You know, Algeo was on a couple wins. Uh, Feely had fought some stiff competition. It hadn't gone his way. He was ready to rock. He came in aggressive to start the fight, as he usually does. And... Um, I thought Feely took round one. He had some big head kicks that was the, probably the most damage in this fight. He had a nice mix with some significant strikes. He even cut Bill with that first head kick that landed. So it looked like everything was going Feely's way. Round two was very, very fucking close. But I thought with Feely continue, continuing to move forward, controlling the octagon, he had more bigger moments with more damage, including some more kicks. I gave him the round. But Bill did close out like the last 20 seconds with some some volume. And hey, if, if the fight is a complete toss-up, Bill comes out and closes out those last seconds as hot as he did, the refs could have gave it his way. But then round three, Feely got the early takedown. He had a body triangle in, which is, you know, complete control. He was going for the rear naked choke. And I knew, I know he was just kind of holding that body triangle. He gave a couple rear nakeds, not the best. That first one was super deep. Props to Bill for getting that out because he only pulled on the elbow. He didn't even fight the hands. How he got out of that, maybe some of the blood and the cutting, the, the blood from the cut helped slide off. But, uh, I, I mean, it's a complete dominant round by Feely. So, clearly he was going to win the fight. Um, but somehow Bill got out of that rear naked. Props to him. But I am not surprised this was a split decision. Some, even Bill, might have thought that they won that fight. But that's not what I thought. Statistically, Andre landed 67 total and 59 significant strikes with a takedown. He had three attempts, and he had those two submission attempts, while Bill had 151 total strikes, 81 significant, and he was 0 for in the takedown department. He tried three times, went 0 for 3. Now, Andre starts a new winning streak. He is 2-3-1 since 2020. Bill has his two-fight winning streak coming to an end, and he's 2-1 this year in 2022 active fighters i love to see it so what's next how about feely versus hakeem dawoodoo i think that would be fucking grab your popcorn type of fight while bill could take on pat sabtini who just fought as well lost to damon action man jackson so i think those would be great scraps in this division 
Then we had the fucking co-main, man. These last two fights, I mean, I was hyped for the whole main card. But this fight, on paper, had potential to be fucking just a banger. I say a banger all the time, but a fucking banger. And RoboCop, man, second round TKO over Chidi Nojaquani for the fight of the night. And fucking holy shit, what a fight this turned out to be. I mean, again, if you knew anything about these fighters, you knew there was going to be carnage here. Chidi came out with some bang. You know, he's Chidi, bang, bang, uh, uh, Nojaquani. Well, he came out with a bang early. He landed a fucking kick that would have put anybody's lights out. But we got fucking RoboCop who was somehow able to shake it off and keep fighting. Not only was he able to do that, but he was able to outwill Chidi in this round. He kept coming forward. Chidi gave it everything he got. He empties, emptied Chidi's gas tank because he was, I mean, he was putting everything into these shots and uh, had a high amount of output through round one. But RoboCop kept, controlling the octagon, kept coming forward, and kept throwing strikes of his own. And I've never been in a fight like that, but when you're a tough motherfucker and you're knocking people out, I mean, Chidi's been on a terror of just knocking people out. Lands a shot like that in the first minute is doing everything, and you can't fucking defeat someone. I mean, that's got to suck out some of the, your will and determination. So, by round one, the fact that Somehow this massive cut above RoboCop's eyes and forehead, they allowed him to continue bonkers, one. Two, that these guys had energy to continue bonkers. Uh, DC and the announcers like, give these guys some coffee, let them take a half hour break. Like, if we could see another round like that, we are in fucking heaven. Well, round two, again, I just think Chidi was completely defeated. Gregory came forward um, as Chidi didn't have any energy left. Gregory was able to get on top of him, get some ground and pound, and get that TKO finished pretty early in round two. But I don't know many fighters that could have kept going after that early onslaught that Chidi put on. I mean, golly. I think Chidi knew that. I think he just mentally was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I, 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 I can't do this anymore. But wow. I'm in awe. That shit was insane. Statistically, RoboCop landed 68 total strikes, 48 of those significant. He had that knockdown and a takedown in three attempts. Chidi had 47 total and 44 significant strikes, and that kick wasn't even a knockdown. RoboCop ate it and kept coming forward. That shit's insane, man. So Chidi has his very impressive four-fight winning streak come to an end. He starts a new losing streak, but is 3-1 since being on the UFC roster. And Gregory is now on a two-fight winning streak and is 4-1 in the UFC. So what's next for these fucking studs? Well, let's give RoboCop a veteran, right? He's earned it. He's earned that shit. I think Gerald Nearshart, RoboCop, come on. That's a match made in heaven. And while Chidi, I think he could square up against um, a very good Punahili Soriano. That would be a banger as well. Either way, there's a lot of talent in this division, a lot of scrappers, a lot of, a lot of hard hitters, but I'd love to see those matchups. And then the main event, Corey Sandhagen with a fourth round TKO over Song Yadong. And this was a fun fight too, man. There was some circumstances that played out that wasn't ideal. There was a lot of cuts in, the, in this main card. 
Um, Bill got cut. Robocop got fucking literally sliced open. And then we had the Song Yudong cut. Corey had been off for some time, right? He, he fought some studs, took some L's. He added things to his game. He even talked about it on the MMA hour. I took a year off. I wanted to focus. And my biggest takeaway is he watched that TJ Dillashaw fight a lot. Well, how did TJ win? Why do they give him this, these fights? Because TJ is a master at winning fights. And he clearly learned from that TJ Dillashaw loss. He added things to his game against Song. He put Song up against the cage to control the octagon to look like the controller to win these rounds. He even added wrestling to his game. Octagon control. And although Song was the more powerful striker that landed more damage, Corey found a way. And the way it happened was round one, this was the story. Song's boxing, I mean, was doing work. Song hits like a fucking Mack truck. The fact that he's almost 24, not even 25, or almost 25, he's only 24, fucking insane. This kid is going to be a fucking problem. And he trains with some dogs. But anyways... Um, Song's boxing was chipping away at Corey. Corey felt his power. Corey was trying to move, keep him off balance, keep him at distance because he is such a longer fighter. Um, but Song could take anything that Corey was throwing his way. They weren't give, providing much damage to Song. This was going to be like Dominic Cruz, Marlon Vera. Dominic Cruz could piece him up, but there's going to be no damage on Vera. Vera comes out, fucking knocks his lights out. So that's where I thought we were heading. Um... But then Sanhagen said, okay, well, if I can't land damage, what does Corey like to do? He likes those Dyson, Tony Ferguson-esque bows. And he just, boom, this nasty elbow that cut Song right in the eye. Really deep cut. And I, I guess they just seen enough cuts this, <laughs> this night that they, they let it go a little further because they easily, someone could have called that fight after the first round. The fight commission allowed it to go on. Each round, they had to go in and say, uh, uh. I remember hearing at the end of round three, they said, I don't really like it. It's up to you. You see it. If it gets worse, we have to do something about it. And um, I was surprised that they let it go that far. I was happy that they let it go that far. I think Song deserved it to go that far. Uh, but Corey, obviously, through three rounds, kept hitting it. It kept getting worse. He even tried to throw some more. He does all those flying knees. He was doing whatever he could to find himself to victory. And uh, really, at round four, that was it. I mean, they, they called it. They said, nope, that's too much. I mean, Song said I couldn't even see out of it. He's got blood. His eye was swelling. It, it was out of control. Statistically, Corey landed 130 and 94 significant strikes with a takedown and 14 attempts. But this is why you can't just look at the stats. I mean, there's so many examples. But Corey was doing a lot of uh, uh, takedown feints and fakes to try to keep Song at, at distance because Song was landing so many powerful shots. So out of those 14, I would say three of them were legit. But he got a takedown, which is new for Corey. And, um, you know, Song's a striker first, too. He's been working on his wrestling and takedown defense. So it's fun to see these guys add to their game. And Song landed 130 total and 54 significant strikes with two takedowns of his own. I really liked how Corey added to his game. I mean, that's what you got to do. That's why you face the best. You learn, you evolve. If you really want it, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get better. Again, it's crazy to think songs only almost 25. His striking is so impressive. I can't wait to see what he does next. Again, he's going to be a problem. 
He's clearly clearly been practicing his wrestling defense as well, so he's only going to get more well-rounded, in my opinion. He trains with a lot of wrestlers. So, so now Corey starts a new winning streak. He ends his two-fight losing streak. That's got to feel good. Although you could tell he was, you know, he was really upset when they called it because of the cut. It was a great scrap. He didn't want Song to have to finish that way, and he didn't want to win that way. Um, Song has his three-fight winning streak come to an end. He starts a new losing streak. I believe rankings-wise, all Song did was move up one in the rankings because um, Jose's out. Let me confirm that that's correct. And Corey didn't move. Corey stays at number four. Yep, Song moved up. Even with the loss to number nine, he's top ten. Um, but with the way the division's booked up, it's going to be tricky for these guys. So what makes sense to me is Cheeto Vera, Marlon Vera, Corey Sandhagen. That would be fucking awesome. For Song, I think Pedro Munoz or Ricky Simone, those would be great bouts. Either way, you can't go wrong. You could just throw anyone in the rankings against each other. It's going to be fun. These guys haven't fought each other. I am hyped for the future of the bantamweight division. And it all goes down in Abu Dhabi. Fight Island. Let's go. But sadly for fight fans, this Saturday, I'm a football fan too, so I got plenty of action. But there is no UFC another week off. We have a card then another week off. But not this Saturday, but next we get another fight night uh, Apex card in Vegas. UFC Vegas 61. 4 p.m. Pacific main card start, headlined by Mackenzie Dern and Jan Chignon. I want to confirm. I think it's only ESPN Plus because that's what happened last time because I'm sure ESPN has football. So Dern Jan is on ESPN Plus prelims, ESPN Plus. So better get your ESPN Plus or Disney bundle. I'm just kidding. I don't get paid by these guys. Don't do what you got to do. But episode 101, we out here. Please check fueledsupplements.com. Help small business. Promotion code buckets. Save an extra 15%. But I'm excited because next week we will break down that McKenzie Durden card. A pretty solid little card. And we will chat with you guys next week. Deuces.